Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So there are a million different love songs that talk about how people are different and do things differently when they're in love and they do things outside their character when they're in love and love compels us to act in ways that we normally wouldn't act and it is very powerful and there's even a song from i believe it's the 80s that's called the power of love and one thing they say about love is that it's tougher than diamonds and stronger than steel and my feeling about it is that there may be something even more powerful than love and that is loneliness. Now this comes up for me a lot in my practice because I feel like when people are in love and they're doing things outside of what they normally would do, there's a pretty good excuse for it. They're sort of under the spell and they're acting in an emotional way and I can kind of give people a pass for making different decisions when they're in love. But when it comes to loneliness, I have people come into my practice with full knowledge that they are doing things that they shouldn't be doing and watching themselves as if watching a train wreck as they do something they know they shouldn't be doing, but they are so damn lonely, they can't help it. And to me, that is powerful. And the worst part about loneliness is that as long as you act in a way that avoids loneliness, you spend time with people that you shouldn't be spending time with to avoid loneliness. What ends up happening is it sort of blocks your path to happiness. It's, it prevents you from getting outside your comfort zone and maybe being with people who would be supportive and on your team and care about you. Instead, you're taking time to be with people who aren't necessarily good for you because you're just so damn lonely. And I have to say that it's really painful to watch from a psychologist's perspective. It's painful to watch people stay in relationships, whether they're dysfunctional friends or dysfunctional family members or dysfunctional romantic partners. And it's hard to watch people make a choice to be with dysfunctional others in their life and maybe even marry them and walk down the aisle knowing that the only reason that you're walking down the aisle is because you don't want to be lonely anymore or calling up that friend 
who you know it only leads to disaster because you're lonely. And so it's hard, I think, for people to come to therapy and talk about, and a lot of times people won't tell me. They won't come in and admit that they called up their ex because they know they're not supposed to be. They know they shouldn't be. And it did, in fact, the interaction that happened after calling said ex did not go well, as one would expect. And they're too embarrassed to tell me, one, that they made the phone call and two, that they had the interaction because they know that they made a really unhealthy choice that we've already talked about. And so I do believe that loneliness is a very powerful thing. And I tell people that. I mean, I don't ever shame anybody for making the mistakes of calling the wrong people when you're lonely. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think it speaks more to the importance that loneliness is playing in a person's life. And I would definitely want to have a discussion about where it went from I'm okay being by myself to, oh my gosh, I'm going to make this phone call and I know it's the biggest mistake of my life and yet here I am because I feel lonely. And sometimes we don't know it at first, right? We have friends who are lots of fun and make every party or social gathering better because they're just wild and crazy. And then at some point, we start to recognize that this person's life is kind of a mess and it's very dramatic and maybe it's all about them. And um, then it changes from cute into, oh my gosh, this person is creating drama wherever we go and now I'm embarrassed. So sometimes we don't always know when we're in a relationship with a dysfunctional friend. In fact, sometimes it can go on for years because maybe the person is really funny or maybe they're always up for a good time. Um, but there comes a point where you realize like, wow, this person's life is pretty dysfunctional and I probably shouldn't have them around because they cause drama for me and I don't need this. I have a story like this of a friend who um, met a guy when we were out at a bar one night and decided that she didn't want to go home because she met this guy and um, she was my ride. So I ended up having to ride with somebody else who was a friend of hers who also decided that she needed to bring two men back to her apartment with her. And I took the ride and then ended up leaving and leaving the friend alone with these two strange guys because I didn't want to be with the strange guys. So it, you know, this was a situation in which I had to take stock of my friend and sort of like, if she should be on my team or not, because she's kind of dysfunctional and, she, and this dysfunction has affected um, my life in a negative way. And I didn't feel good about myself either ditching her friend, but then why was her friend bringing these two guys back to her apartment? I don't know. 
So um, I had to take stock of that and I had to recognize that calling her because she's the good time Charlie in my life isn't necessarily going to make things better for me in the long run. And I know that a lot of people out there have this same example, somebody who appears to be fun at first, and then it turns out like their life is a train wreck and you got to get some distance from them. But what ends up happening is like, yeah, you're spending time alone. You start to miss other people you've had in your life that you haven't seen in a while. And then you think, you know what I could use right now? I could use my dysfunctional friend. I really need a good time out. And then the phone call starts and then you make the phone call and there you are stranded at somebody's apartment with two strange men. Next thing you know. That's an obvious way that loneliness can creep up on you and cause you to make poor decisions with dysfunctional friends. But then there's also those more subtle dysfunctional friends. Like you think about your feeling nostalgic and you think about some great time that you had with an old friend and you think, how come we didn't stay in touch? Man, that was, we had a great time. Why aren't we friends anymore? And then in today's day and age, you can easily find them and reach out to them via Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media platform you're on. And, and you find them and you reconnect. And then you realize that you're the person in the relationship doing all the work. You're the person who always reaches out, who always makes the phone call, who always sends the first text. And the other person, if left to their own devices, never actually reaches out to you or leaves you hanging on a text chain doesn't answer your questions or sporadically answers your questions on a text chain. And then you end up recognizing that part of the reason that you're not friends is that, or that you haven't stayed in touch is that the other person really just makes no effort and you're the person doing all of the reaching out. And so that doesn't feel good. And that just makes you feel even more lonely. And of course, it's not just about dysfunctional friends. It's also about dysfunctional romantic partners, right? I mean, how many times have you called up an ex just because you had nothing better to do? I think I hear about that just about every day. And you know how it's going to go and you know how it's going to end. And you know there's a reason that that person is your ex. Like maybe you see the person again and then they start to get critical about what you're saying and then you realize like, oh yeah, this person was kind of emotionally abusive. Or they start to tell you all about them and they haven't asked you anything about what, what's been going on with you since the two of you broke up. And then you realize, oh yeah, that person was kind of narcissistic. That's why we broke up. And it kind of runs the gamut. But one of the things that I've noticed 
as a psychologist is that we now have this phenomenon of the COVID relationships. And this is a, a total example of the power of loneliness in that so many people right before COVID hit had um, not been in a relationship. Maybe they were out there just kind of dating different people. And they happened to have been dating somebody like twice in a row or three times in a row. And then the lockdown happened. And when the lockdown happened, they just, it was kind of like musical chairs, like, oh, okay, we better just like sit down. The music has stopped. And I'm just going to hang out with you because you're not sick with COVID and I know that you're isolated and so I'm isolated and therefore we're safe and therefore we can have a relationship because I don't get to date anymore. There's no option of going on dates anymore. Everybody's got to stay isolated and indoors and that, all that stuff. And so there are a lot of relationships that became very serious relationships, not because two people had something in common, but because the lockdown happened and they had nothing better to do. And so now we're kind of seeing the results of that is we're seeing people who are in romantic relationships and that they had no other choice, but now they're in so deep that they can't get out of it. And they're afraid of being alone at this point, because you never know when another lockdown is going to happen. And so, you know, that's sort of something that happened um, and happened out of loneliness. And we are still seeing that as of the time of this recording. We're not completely out of the woods with COVID, but I'm not sure that everybody's going to break up after we are out of the woods because again the power of loneliness now when it comes to dysfunctional family members it's a little bit tougher right because even if you could you don't really have the choice of getting out of the relationship because you're related to the person but the problem is is that we all do probably have in some place in the family, a super dysfunctional family member. And it comes out in a variety of ways, but basically, you know, this person is taxing on the family in general, like maybe they have a bunch of needs, like they need money all the time. Or maybe they're that family member who gets just a little bit wasted at every family gathering and embarrasses people. Or maybe that it's always about them and they're not able to really be supportive towards anybody else in the family. They just kind of expect the whole family to take care of them. And so, you know, a lot of times this will happen, not just where you're feeling lonely and you just want to call up that family member to come over because you've got nothing 
better to do, but we also see it happen where other family members encourage us to spend more time with the dysfunctional family member, right? What are you doing spending time alone? You should call cousin Jacob and have him come over, you know? He's going through a rough time too, so you two should spend some time together, right? And so it's not so easy, especially when you know your family is always going to physically be there for you, but you also know deep down that spending time with dysfunctional family members isn't necessarily the healthiest situation for you. Now, these are big, obvious ways that loneliness can cause us to contact people who are dysfunctional and we know we're doing wrong by making that call or sending that text message. But this also happens when friends or romantic partners or family members are kind of like boring or meh, kind of meh. Like, you don't really get anything from the situation, but you don't really lose anything either. It's just kind of like a purgatory relationship. It's not really going in one direction or another. And I saw this meme a long time ago on Facebook that talked about ambivalent friends, people that we don't feel like super excited about seeing, but we're not mad at them and we don't hate them. And these are sort of the toughest relationships to navigate because what do you do with it? What do you do when you have a friend who's a perfectly nice person? There's nothing wrong with them, but they're just kind of boring or they don't, it, it's like you don't look forward to seeing them. You're not excited about seeing them, but you know you should see them because they're your friend after all. And you don't know how you got into this situation in which you're inviting somebody out to lunch, but you don't actually want to see them. And you're kind of relieved when they cancel or when they're late. You know, it's, it's so, it, it's more insidious. It's more difficult to know when you're in a relationship like this, but you do know that when you feel very lonely, this is the person you're going to call. I just need to get out of the house. I just need to go see somebody. I'm going to call up my meh friend and the friend that I don't feel super excited about seeing just because I know they're good about following through on plans and I'm feeling kind of lonely right now anyway. And so you make the call, you send the text, and then you're at lunch with somebody who's boring you and you don't really know what to say or there's awkward silences or you find yourself talking about topics that don't really interest you, but you know they interest your friend. And we all have to do that on some level to compromise and stuff, but you find yourself involved in these very long conversations in which you don't feel like you're really getting anything out of it. It's not super deep. It's kind of superficial and you're just kind of feeling like, eh. so that happens and that's harder to see. 
Now, this I see happening a lot in romantic relationships, and this is sort of what I saw a lot during, you know, the COVID relationships that were formed. It was like, well, this person that I'm romantically involved in, they're a good person, and, and they have a decent job, so I should make a go of it. I should see where this is leading, because... The alternative is to be alone and to have to go out there and do the dating scene. And the dating scene is really tough right now. There's a lot of jerks out there and they're ghosting people and it's just not good. So I might as well stay where I am with this romantic partner who doesn't super excite me. And I see this a lot. I see this happening, you know, not just in COVID times. I see this happening all the time where it, it's like there's nothing terribly wrong with your romantic partner. They've never done anything egregious. They've been loyal to you for the most part. They're a good person. They're good to their family members. They have a lot of friends. So on paper, everything looks fine. And so you know that you should be interested in them romantically and excited about them romantically, and yet you don't feel it. It just kind of feels like, eh, good enough. And the alternative, as I said, is the reason that you stay in the good enough relationship. And that is because the alternative is loneliness. And the last thing you want to do is to be alone. And so you stay in the meh relationship and you might even get into a serious meh relationship and keep it going for a long time. And then there was a joke about this actually in the TV show, The Office, in which one of the characters was engaged for something like six years. And that's really what it's about is like, yeah, just like not actually wanting to get married, but not being willing to break up because the alternative is loneliness. And so this is stuff that I don't think a lot of people talk about but the idea is that you would end up in all of these situations because you are absolutely lonely and you are afraid of being alone. And what happens from a psychologist's perspective is that when people realize that they are in all of these relationships and participating in these relationships because they are lonely, right? And usually what happens is they've had it with that dramatic friend or they've had it with being the person who always reaches out, something like that. Something happens where you just can't take it anymore. And so then you go, okay, I'm going to deal with this loneliness stuff. I am just going to cut that person out of my life for now. And I'm just going to try to make a go of it alone. 
And this happens. People come to therapy. They tell me that this is the choice that they have made. And then I will see that same person one week later and they'll be like, you know what? I was by myself. I was supposed to see my other friend. They canceled on me. I had nothing better to do. And so I reached out and it was a big mistake, right? But usually they have already reached that point of no return in terms of understanding that the relationship is not going to go anywhere, that this is not something that they should be seeking out. But what ends up following is when people decide that they're going to cut these people out of their lives, that or they decide that they're going to cut dysfunctional friends or family members or romantic partners out of their lives, um, there is a ton of loneliness to follow, especially if they're talking about cutting out people who are part of their primary support. And so then they haven't figured out how to replace them yet. They have not figured out if I cut out the dysfunctional friends or the boring friends or the dysfunctional or unexciting romantic partners, who is my alternative? What do the new supportive groups of friends look like? Who is the new romantic partner? And that's the hard part is enduring that loneliness in order to meet those people. But the reality is, is that the more time you spend with all of the wrong people in your life, the less of a chance you have of actually finding happiness and finding the right people in your life. And so it's horrible, but you do have to endure it until the better people show up in your life, the more supportive people, the more exciting people, the more that you find people who have your back. And that's not easy, but if you can endure it, and maybe you need to go to therapy in order to have sort of an accountability partner, to have somebody that you have to report to about those moments of loneliness and feeling weak and getting on the phone or sending a text to somebody you know you shouldn't, you know, maybe that's what you need to do. But the idea is that you have to clear out the clutter of the wrong people in order to make space for the right people to have in your life. So that's my two cents. Again, thank you for listening and be well.